Okay, hi everybody. This is a podcast called Make Play, and uh, on it we talk about the stuff we've been making and the stuff we've been playing, because that's the title of the podcast, so that's kind of what we have to do to live up to the name, I guess. I'm, I'm Jimmy Stein. I'm Nick Ragusa. And for the first time, we have Stephen Garrick on the show. Yay, Welcome, Steve. Steve. 100 years from now, this will be an archive of famous people. Yeah. Yes. Only like, for Steve. These three people. <laughs> Just for Steve. <laughs> Steve. And in the background are two other people whose identities have lost, been lost to time. Yes. Um, so do you, I don't know, uh, hmm, we haven't had a guest on, I don't think we've ever been both present with a guest before. No. We've I don't only think ever done the, the guest right. episodes solo. You're so special, Steve. This is a first, a first of many. Um, important important announcement, we are actually on iTunes now, so yep. holla at your boys. Wow. You can go onto the podcast app and subscribe to us instead of having to go to shadyasspodcasts.com. <laughs> Not that we don't like podcasts.com, because they let us host all of this content for free. Yeah, thanks, podcast. But they are a little shady, and our RSS feed doesn't look that great, but you know what? It's free. Yeah, goddammit, podcast.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're also on Spotify. You really have to look for us on Spotify. You have to type in Make Play Radio and then scroll like three or four times. But we'll, we're there. Yep. So if you subscribe to us there, maybe we'll actually be that's, that's present. Like me on Twitch. <laughs> that's like, that's everybody on Twitch. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and we're also on like Overcast, and I applied to Stitcher because you have to apply separately. Overcast uh, just pulls you right in from iTunes, but Stitcher you have to be like, I am a legitimate professional at podcasting. So eventually, in, in up to five business days, we'll show up there. So yeah, subscribe on those platforms. And like everyone and, uh, else, Google Play will be last. Google Play. <laughs> they have own, does Google have its own podcasting thing? Yeah. Does anybody just, use it? Um, me. Oh. <laughs> Alright, well, for just you, for you specifically, Steve. Like, half the time I find a new podcast, I use Google Play because I have Android and I just don't want to download a new thing. Right. Like, half the time they only have half the episodes oh, whenever man. they decided to start uploading them. Damn. <laughs> our, our feed has been just, like, uploaded in its entirety everywhere that I've submitted it to, which has been nice. nice. The whole RSS thing, real neat. I probably don't need to explain this to people who listen to podcasts, but I wish all of social cool. media was just built on RSS. Mm-hmm. And you could just, like, use any platform to do, like, see anybody's feed. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I could, if I just liked Facebook's UI more, I could use that to look at things people posted on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, that could be really interesting. You're the one that introduced me to Feedly, right? I guess I did. Feel like it. Yeah. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd love me some Feedly. I've not delved into RSS feeds, so I, you know. They're like, what does it stand for? Like really simple something. Yeah, I don't know, but it's just it's just good. Yeah. It's something there is something that is built on RSS feeds. It's well, most podcasts are just built on RSS, as mm-hmm. we were discussing. But mm-hmm. anyway, so in this first half of the show, we talk about uh, the stuff we've been making or uh, creatively engaged with is mm. my new terminology for it because Lovely. I I don't know I feel like getting into the whole like make is such a such a, a fraught word. Because it's like it, it almost seems like it requires there to be some physical entity at play mm-hmm. or like an actual like, like output yeah. or a product of some kind. But like if you're just like if I've been just like thinking about stuff a lot, that takes effort. That's a very is part of the process. creatively engaging thing. So it's kind of like yeah, that's that should also be included in, in this sort of part of the show. Yeah, sure. Um, so that's Steve, you want to give yourself like a little intro? Like what do you do? So what do you like to do? I um, went to school for film after deciding it gave me the biggest scholarship 
Hey. <laughs> and everyone else there was like, I want to be Christopher Nolan. And I was like, how do I use a camera? <laughs> and then I decided to make animated movies. And then I decided to make animated games, which is mm. all games, I guess. Just uh, about. For now. <laughs> um, There's that Black Mirror episode. Yeah. And then no one had made a VR thing in the film program, so I did that. Oh, right. You had to, but you had to work for that, too, right? Like, they weren't super yeah, cool with you submitting a VR not, thing. They were happy to have me make a VR thing in the class, but then mm-hmm. putting it in the showcase, I had to, like, They're fight like, with them. <sighs> Because they were like, let's plays aren't films, and I was like, fight me. (laughs) I do remember this. (laughs) And it worked out, though, right? Yeah, Yeah. it was all good. I did, like, edit it, so I guess the man censored me, but it it turned out okay. I liked your game. That was a fun little... Thanks, man. I don't think you ever played it, did you? I don't know if I did. I definitely watched the Let's Play. Do you want to give it a quick rundown? Um, So it was called Caves and Cavemen. Mm Mm-hmm. and it's just a little VR game where you throw a fruit to teleport between platforms. And um, the whole idea was just sort of about, like, trying to be about discovery. Because, mm-hmm. like, VR is a new medium. Yeah. Most people are new to VR. Like, mm-hmm. I specifically wanted it to be, like, something that someone who, like, didn't really play games at all. Yeah. And had never tried VR could try mm-hmm. it and, like, get the gist. Because people, like, throwing things in VR... Yeah, and it it's pretty. pretty, pretty so you need like one button to do mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. like, done. Most people <laughs> could do that. <laughs> yeah, that is the nice thing about VR. It's like as intimidating as the hardware is, the actual like using it most of the time is pretty straightforward. Like it's it's entirely natural to like okay, I want to look to the left, so I just turn my head to the left. Yeah. You know, it's just I want to like wave my arms around. It's, it's it's weirdly like intuitive, but yeah, once you start involving the buttons, that's when people like totally lose it because it's yeah. like I my my buttons are my hands are not made of buttons. Like what is going on? I can't look at that. I yeah. still have a moment stuck in my head from Charles Platt's uh, game studies class mm-hmm. where we talked. He asked like who in the audi- in the class identified as like a core gamer, yeah, rather than a casual, and like surprisingly number like most of the class said they were casual gamers, right? Because like to us we think about hardcore gamers and like this is their game, <laughs> they like min maxed everything, yeah, capital but, G like, gamer. He was, he was like realistically like if you can use a controller, yeah, and you can look around and move at the same time with the two joysticks, like, you are above the vast majority of the population. Yeah. Yeah. And, Absolutely. like, <laughs> it is a whole, like, interactive language that most people don't understand. Yeah, it is really strange to think how natural that dynamic of, like, twin sticks has become. Because, yeah, it's like, you just put it in my hands and it's, like, an extension of my body, like, yeah. instantaneously. That's, I, I hear that as, you know, complaint a lot. Especially when I, I tried to show my father when I was younger how to play Halo. Mm. Um, and he was just like, how do I walk forward and also Push look it. left? And I'm like, oh. Yeah, you do it, pops. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's a common roadblock, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like games are going to become more and more intuitive. But, like, I don't know. The whole AR VR space is just, it's taking its sweet time. But, like, yeah. it's going to have to. Like, any any significant difference in media... And medium will will take a while to become. I do have some of my doubts about the optimism in the space, though. Oh yeah, At it's least, definitely yeah. Especially in when it comes to adoption, because I remember I went I through my through my piece I was invited to go to the Oculus headquarters and show it to their employees. The game nice. I made, and um, there were like kids from all these other schools all over, um, 
and showing their pieces and we were just everybody was talking about like what VR is going to be like going forward and yeah. what it needs to be more widely adopted and a lot of people seem to think that they just thought like the whole motion sickness thing would just like people would just get used to it oh and like <laughs> like cuz like some games try to just like hardcore VR people are like yeah I just want to sit there and move a controller I don't I like I hate a lot of people hate teleportation yeah but like teleportation is how you avoid motion sickness and yeah. most people that's a huge issue yeah. and I'm like I don't think because they compare it to like in film the famous story of like people watching film and like thinking the train was coming at them right, or right. like getting used to how cutting works in a movie because yeah. that's not necessarily yeah, the it's most like it's natural a language thing. in its own self but yeah. I'm like the, you're fighting human physiology yeah. here. Like, I don't think <laughs> that's going to work. Fluid in my ear canals that yeah. makes me feel like yeah. nauseous. Sure, people can get used to that sort of thing, but like we've had cars for a while and people are still car sick. Yep. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm curious to see like how like AR and VR like separate themselves cuz I don't know, maybe just cuz I've been working a lot with AR recently, but it does feel a lot more applicable to a lot more things like practically speaking. In yeah. in part because like you can just have it on a smartphone, which is a really big yeah. deal for a lot of reasons. And because it's like building off of the entire world that already exists, which is kind of nifty, you yeah. know, and it might not be for a long time, but the ability to like let people surround themselves with like a customized digital space that's already that's like part of the real world you know, it's just going to be really attractive to a lot of people because you can advertise in that space really easily and, like, yeah. do a lot of different things with it. I do think AR, or what some people call mixed reality, mm. I guess, with, like, the HoloLens. Extended reality, maybe. That, like, that's, that's probably the best one, I think, um, <laughs> is actually has the most potential mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. when, yeah. like, once those things become just better, first of all, like, yeah. I mean... I do think the HoloLens is, like, kind of amazing. But once just you have, like, the full peripheral vision works and it's not $3,000 yeah. and bulky... Yeah. <laughs> that would be nice. You don't look it, like a, a huge, it, like, tech bro. That is the one point of optimism in, like, the AR-VR space that yeah. I do think, like, actually will probably pan out because mm -hmm. those things are pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it is a really powerful experience. I forget who made it but there's a short i think they might might have been spanish like a spanish uh, like artist made this short where it's just like this woman living in like an ar it's like a first person perspective and there's like this you know mixed reality layer over everything and it's like really intense it's like you know lights and colors and stats over people's heads and all this crazy stuff going on and it like goes to some pretty pretty crazy places i'll have to, I'll have to find the name of it but it was more of a commentary on how terrible that could be if it like becomes like hyper saturated with ads mm. and like lights and colors and things to get your yeah. attention and there isn't any like regiment to it you know this mm. is a this i guess slightly tangential but i saw i think it was something on reddit today on like glitch art or something like mm -hmm. that where um there's just an image of like an old windows like they're trying to do vapor wavy stuff essentially it's like some yeah. old windows message box and some mm. blues and pinks but mm. it said uh something like your dream what is it your dreams have been it's something about having to use your dreams as like ad space oh, for like something oh no. like that and it <laughs> yeah. got me thinking i was like yeah as much as that's well, kind of ridiculous you know in the current context and it's really just like a metaphor i guess yeah. it's it was interesting to think about well i mean if i have like 
a HUD essentially in yeah. my real life at a certain point with sort of mixed mm-hmm. reality and all that. Like, you could do that. Like, I could be walking around and just see like mm-hmm. ads on my white wall, you know, like, yeah. and that to me is. Yeah. Yeah. At the that, same time, a similar concept is something I w- am like really excited for mm-hmm. and is sort of the AR app that I'm sure somebody's working on and I want to exist. Yeah. <laughs> is basically AR Snapchat. Except mm. it's location based, mm. so I could walk around and like just see some weird AR street art somebody put on a wall. Oh, I see what you and, mean. And like we could share those things. I feel in like space. and I'm sure someone someone's doing already that. made that. I'm trying. To, I feel like I saw that. We're like, yeah, it's like this kind of like you know, there's a global map essentially, yeah. you know, and it just like pins a, like a 3D drawing that you make in the app to yeah. that GPS coordinate and if someone looks over it there's like art there yeah but I feel like it, I don't know if it's really caught on in any significant way because you need I'm, a lot of people I'm to sure there's going to be like a dozen iterations before yeah. it's done well yeah like, <laughs> yeah that's really cool though that's like you know and you could probably do a lot with that if you just have positioning and then some sort of way to save state yeah I feel like there's yeah. even more you could do yeah but. it'd be fun I feel like to do it well you would want to like re- do like at launch you should do like I don't know, like sites, like site specific things where it's like, oh, we rented out this like, I don't know, chunk of a park and just put like a big white box in it. Mm. And you just are supposed to come in here and like, you know, we'll give you that for free or like have swag or I don't know, some incentive to get people there. And then you just draw all over this white box in AR and then people that come there can see everything that everybody else has done. It's like that sticker room, wherever that was, you know, it's like people love to leave their impressions on things to like, you know, remind everybody else that they exist, you know, so I feel like that that could be fun. I can't wait to see the crazy things people put over like landmarks and like yeah. national parks. Like oh go to God. the Grand Canyon and someone just yeah. like drew a giant penis in the sky. <laughs> yeah. Or like someone traces out like the entirety of like the Colorado River Basin or something like that mm. and just like does some crazy massive scale art piece. That would be so cool. Um, so have you been working on anything recently, Steve? Like are you Um a few months ago, I started on um, a film with some friends, because after making a game for a year, I was like, I want to get back to just like animation and 3D fundamentals yeah. and not worry about all the coding Fuck stuff. Fuck that interaction shit. Um, I got to get better at this other stuff first, mm-hmm. and it's, it's going to be a little short film about some pirates. Hey. We might actually make a series <laughs> of them, because we figure if we're going to put all the work into making like the rigs and the models, just... Just, like, keep animating things with them. Yeah. Um, but the goal is just to make, like, 30, 60-second shorts. And the first one is the, just these two pirates. And one is the captain, and he's, mm-hmm. like, a surfer bro. Nice. Um, his backstory is that, like, he... Um, he wanted to, like, surf... Or, no, he wanted to... Uh, he was He had, like, swam in the past... Mm-hmm. But, like, his mom was, like, super strict about him in high school, uh, like, him being on the swim team. Um, kind of like the mom in I, Tanya. <laughs> um, Tanya Harding's mom, I guess. She's a real person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the mom in I, Tanya. Yeah. What a wonderful performance. Um, and so, like, he was scarred by the water. And he, but he, he wanted to surf, and he figured sailing was just, like, surfing with the giant boat. That's kind of Surfboard. a nice perspective. And so he's a surfer bro pirate, and mm-hmm. his sidekick is this, like, secretly rich prince dude mm-hmm. who's, like, kind of chubby and is, is like, 
uh, also in love with the captain, but like doesn't want to show it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just out being a pirate for the fun of it. Yeah, and because uh, he's he's a rich, pretty boy who like yeah. wants to like, see life. Yeah, yeah. And so the the captain just like wants to ride the gnarliest waves, and like that's the first. <laughs> that's gonna be the first episode. This like is just, just like them trying to ride a gnarly wave, trying to find just a huge storm. Ride the gnar <laughs> with my giant boat. And so like, uh, there's me working on it. I'm doing. Um, I guess I ended up working on all the models. Um, I, it wasn't my original plan. Um, and then I have to rig them. A friend mm-hmm. of mine is going to do the textures and all the lighting and everything. And I'm going to do most of the animation of the characters. And then I have a third friend whose specialty is, like, effects stuff. So he's going to handle all the water and lightning oh, cool. and whatnot. Nice. Cool. Um, and you guys are all just going to collaborate on the writing and like yeah we did the storyboards together we came up with the basic like beat and we actually well i guess we like did some basic thumbnails Mm -hmm. like really crude and handed it off to my roommate who wants to do storyboard stuff and she's really good so she did an amazing job and we still have to make those amazing boards she did. (laughs) (laughs) it's like how about we just show these to everybody oh my um so yeah that's awesome though that's that's like the main thing mm-hmm. i guess nick and i started brainstorming a thing a while ago and i would like to get back to that at some point i would also like to get back to that although but, yeah but life is like i gotta pay rent it is <laughs> there's work <laughs> and such what, what project was this so it's like a little like game essentially that we were thinking about but yeah the the basic idea was like something like a mario-ish game mm-hmm. like kind of platformy but it was going to be 3d since that's what i do and it's going to be like reverse mario or instead of like <laughs> killing all the random creatures you encounter like you have to be their friend oh. yep. um exactly how that was going to work is the main problem yeah we but were we'll figure it out it's very early on we were just <laughs> sort of having fun brainstorming and you know. i did playing gris did give me an idea because there's a mm. part of that game that is similar Ooh, but they only use that mechanic very briefly and i was like can i steal this mm. for a whole game <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um well cool we'll we'll talk about that in the second half of the show <laughs> um nick have you been like uh, jamming on anything recently or thinking about stuff uh, my base well yeah, yeah really you have been jamming on that making I, I know who's gonna do our ad read oh it's yes. yeah it's gonna be mr funky man Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, insert Seinfeld. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've been I've been playing a lot of bass again. Yeah, just trying to. It's weird when you pick back up on a skill that you've been trying to polish for a long time, and you're sort of yeah. back where you were. You know, yeah. Like hmm. there is some some relearning to have done, but you know, it's muscle memory. It's still yeah. in there, and yeah. eventually, you practice it comes back, and then you're sort of met with the same obstacles. But at least with bass, for me, like it always there's always some progress every time I play, I feel like, which is yeah nice. How it's you, always... How do you yeah. go about practicing? Um, first, you just do... I do a lot of, like, scales, and I look up exercises and stuff that mm-hmm. I kind of would just like to practice on, essentially. Yeah. The right. internet is a great resource right. nowadays. I don't know what I would do <laughs> as someone who, like, taught himself bass mostly at home yeah. and with a tutor for a little while. Uh, I don't know what I would do without the internet. I think about that every time I do anything with any Adobe product ever. <laughs> Like, where are the fucking scissors? Yep. I cannot find the scissors. Pretty much. Um, yeah, it's it's been good. Um, yeah, I remember um, 
a, a weekend two weeks ago. Uh, I was, uh, you know, enjoying some psychedelics <laughs> and was uh, in, in the bathroom or something, and I hear this bass music coming because I started to take a shower. And then I think I hear bass, and then I, like, turn off the shower and, like, dry myself off. And I'm like, no, there's definitely bass music happening somewhere. And I, like, really don't know if it's Nick <laughs> or if he's just, like, playing some, like, I don't know, Victor Wooten or some, like, solo bassist <laughs> man in his it's room or whatever. I know it's high praise. I know it's high praise. Um, but, like, my frame of reference for, like, good bass is, is very narrow mm. in most senses of the word. I feel like a lot of people's is, sadly. Yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's true. Instrument. Yeah, it's, no, it's it's, it's awesome. Funky though. as all hell. Funky as pretty, all hell. Um, yeah, I haven't I haven't working on too much. Um, kind of just sort of figuring out what life is like post this Bowie app thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Our studio is just kind of like trying to find the next step in the step of life, I guess. Um, I've been writing a little bit nice. more. Yeah, kind of working on an outline for a game that is way beyond the scope of anything I will ever be able to make in my entire life, mm-hmm. ever. But I feel like I just got to write it anyway. What's the outline? What's the, what's the blog line? Uh, so it's <laughs> street racing in space, basically. Okay, okay. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's it's oddly a lot inspired by pod racing, the more I think about it. <laughs> which I don't know how to feel about, but it's there, because I just want it to be about like this semi-legal street racing scene that happens in a lot of canyons and like deserty places uh, but more drifting and like see, seediness my immediate thought having known nothing but your original log line uh-huh. was that it was going to be like in outer space uh, and so like to like get drag or whatever i don't know how racing works you have to like <laughs> try and swing yourself around the gravitation of planets and bullshit oh my god that's pretty cool that would be sick. That reminds me, wasn't there a game that was something like that, using gravity of planets? Oh, sure Sunburn? Yeah! Like Sunburn. There we go. Yeah, Sunburn was great. We saw that um, that yeah, We were like talk. at the release thing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, Fancy. It's really cool. <laughs> Except that game was about like trying to, to like, I think you were, your like ship had exploded, so you're all just like floating through space, and you as the captain just had to like get everybody into like the sun to die together. Interesting. Yeah. Hence, <laughs> hence the name Sunburn. Um, but I don't know. I want to write like dialogue and stuff for this thing because that's the part of things I enjoy. But I'm realizing now that like anything involving any like sci-fi pinch, like a, a, we're in outer space. Okay, well, we got to figure out a lot of other things first before you can start writing any actual dialogue. Mm. Um, but it's been kind of fun. You know, imagine like what... The, what like the regulations on this sport they would be and the differences between like the street version and like a professional version... I'm thinking though. I feel like with sci-fi, it does depend on like who your characters are and like how closely connected sort of any of like the yeah. real science they are. Yeah. Because I think about like Cowboy Bebop. Oh yeah. Those characters could be basically yeah. any time. They don't really know much or matter about like what's going on. That's true. I mean, think about racing. I'm thinking about Redline. Oh yeah. That? Yeah. Oh, that yeah. that is definitely <laughs> Redline's a trip. A point sure. of reference for this. Absolutely. <laughs> Except I don't know. Redline is amazing, but. The thing that bothers me about Redline is they're always just, like, going in a straight line the whole time. Like, there's the occasional turn, but for the most part, it's just JP yeah. fucking slotting in some nitro and just having his face get ripped off. <laughs> Redline is just a great, like, animation. The oh, whole, it's so yeah, cool. This, the, like, narrative is lacking. The way they convey speed is real fun. Yeah, yeah it's so just cool. enjoyable to watch. Yeah, oh my god. Might just be better without the dialogue, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I definitely feel like that... The perspective of having it be like 
this big race that like a lot of planets care about and having like this draw from around like the solar system or like the galaxy or whatever is like a really fun idea yeah and to think about like what machinations would be behind deciding where to place that race and sort of effects it would have on the like the system that it lands within like kind of thinking about like the olympics almost um i don't know just a lot of just a lot of things to think through Hmm. but i don't know i'm excited for uh the point in my life 30 years from now where i maybe uh get to get to make this so yeah, yeah lovely that'll be great look for it in a i don't probably not going to be in a GameStop. um <laughs> refer to the blockbuster in three days <laughs> honestly you never know they can make yeah, it hopefully come back. itch will rise up <laughs> yeah like, yeah i should probably put my game on itch speaking of that mm. that's always the ever-present issue <laughs> making sure people can enjoy the things you make yeah, that that is the tough part, getting it in front of people. <laughs> Don't you know? It's a whole thing. Some people's entire jobs are that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's frightening. Yeah. It sounds Isn't like it there's this is really a lot behind that sentence you just said. I could feel it. <laughs> yep. Yes there is. Uh, okay, with that I think we're gonna take a quick little break and on the opposite side of this interlude we will talk about the the games we've been playing. So Ooh. stay tuned. I think you wanna do a little ditty on your bass? Uh, As Mr. Funky Man? Sure, but I, mean, I don't have a camp soloing. We can, we can bring the mic. Sorry. Can we bring the mic? Bring, bring the motherfucker. Okay, so Steve, whenever you're ready. Have you ever been to a bayou? Have you ever been down to Louisiana? If not, come visit the alligator raptor farm. We have alligator raptor eggs and alligator raptor themed t-shirts for all your alligator raptor needs. We also have waffles. That's about it. <laughs> but you'll definitely see an alligator raptor before you die. Uh, okay, and we're back. That was some great stuff down at the Woo! Bayou. Um, their waffles, not that good. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that's to say, have, but that's what they got. So you know what? Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it, baby. Could have at least put chicken with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Steve, uh, I feel like I haven't really thought this through about like how people can like know who you are because I know who you are and they don't. But I feel like maybe a nice way to start off this segment would be to just list, like, your top three favorite games or something. Um, I'm better at thinking about favorite movies than favorite games. But if mm. I think about the games I, like, put the most time into. Yeah. Mm. Sure I think yeah. about Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Lately, City Skylines and Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Command and Conquer Generals. Mm. And Guitar Hero. Wow, nice. probably five. Yeah, it's decently diverse. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good. That's a good range of stuff. Um, what about those games? Do you find like the most interesting or compelling or frustrating? Um. Well, I mean, for one thing, the one thing that appeals to me about a few of those mm-hmm. is simply that they're non-violent. Yeah, and. I like, I mean, violence in games is is great, but it's like <laughs> love that, <laughs> love it. Can't get enough blood in my video games. 
But there's like other things to yeah. make games about. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. This can't be true. <laughs> so like, yeah. I enjoy those. Um, Tony Hawk is like. Uh, you can, you can get yourself beat up pretty good in that game. You can, but it's it's not. Yeah. It's not like about that. Yeah. And it's it's about like dance and like mm. it's beautiful. Wow. And Steve. I remember the most poetic description <laughs> of Tony Hawk pro skater I've ever heard. But I heard somebody in a in like a YouTube video essay talk about um, how Tony Hawk. Um, one of the things it did well compared to a lot of the games, because a lot of games just have, like, score mechanics and, like, get the high score, but, like, mm. it doesn't mean a whole lot other than getting the high score. Mm. It doesn't really influence the rest of the game a whole lot. See. Whereas in Tony Hawk, in order to get the high score, you have to, like, vary which moves you're using. If you use the same move all the time. Right. And, like, it's trying to force you in that way yeah. to, like, use the whole breadth of what is available and the different mm. skate moves and stuff. Mm. Like, it, yeah. it's actually a really good use nice. of having a high score. Yeah. yeah. Trying to like make you it actually think means more. something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Experiment a little more with the game. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Um, so, but more recently, you mentioned that you were playing Greece, Greece. Oh, Gris, uh, Gris. Gris, or is it Greece? I don't know. I I've, no I've only heard, I've heard Gris. It right. is a Spanish word. We're gonna call it. So Gris. it might be Greece. Well. Um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> all of every Spanish. It might also country. be. It might also be Gris. So who's to know? Uh, we know Probably what game we're talking. It's spelled G R I S. If anyone's curious, right? Um, it is, that is how you spell it. Right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, Gris is uh, beautiful. Really, it's like one of those things where a game you like keep getting new powers and introducing new mechanics, and every time you do that, you're like, oh my god, the world has opened up to me. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. That's a great feeling. Um, and like because it's all like hand animated. And, um, just has an amazing color palette. Because that's what the game is about. Is about, like, restoring color to the world. Right. Oh, cool. Because um, it's why it's called Gris. It's Spanish for gray. Ah. And the world starts out gray, and you have to slowly unlock all the colors. Oh, oh cool. Um, and, like um, you also, like, in the beginning, beginning, you have lost your singing voice. And oh, you, man. you have to, like, get it back. It's one of your powers. Good stuff. Um, Good stuff. And... Uh, so, like, slowly the world becomes more colorful, and you have different ways of moving around the world and interacting with it, and you're, it's just, like, every time you're like, whoa, oh my god, everything that's here. <laughs> yelling. That sounds fun. Um, yeah. What was that one mechanic you wanted to ape? So there was, um, it's pretty, it's like the, I guess, like, second level, like, sort of second color you unlock I guess mm-hmm. um, you're going through this forest and the whole game is at least in the beginning I guess there are all of these like rocks that are you discover have robots inside them uh-huh. um, and so eventually you just in this forest you like just find some robots and one of them I forget how oh, yeah oh no never mind I remember now you so you show up and like you see him and he seems to be like running away from you as you get close, and then, like, when you walk backwards, he'll, like, come towards you. Just a dude? And, yeah, it's just this little cute robot dude. And, um, eventually, like, you just keep going, and he seems to be following you. Mm-hmm. And he slowly, like, warms up to you. Mm-hmm. And then he, um, will mimic whatever you do. I see. Um, okay. okay. Like, 
can't remember with jumping. I think you can just jump higher than he can. I see. So, like, at some point, like, you might be going left on the screen. Right. And, like, you hop up on these platforms. But he can't hop that high. So if he's on the bottom... Yeah. He has to go a different um, route? Yeah, he goes, like, on this other route underneath you. That reminds me of a part from, um... Have you played VVVVVV? I have not. There's a section in that game where you have... Like uh, one of you, you're trying to it's lead like an your escort mission. Yeah, you're trying. It's, it's actually, personally, at least as a casual player, some one of the most annoying parts of the game. Yep. Like you basically have to. It's like every time you land on the ground, um, he'll come to where you landed, mm-hmm. and like under you in a different path, and so you're just trying to navigate like this difficult platformer on your own while this other little dude is. Yeah. Like, obeying you to his death, like, constantly. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I think that game, like, the Swapper did that a lot, where it's, like, you can, like, spawn clones of yourself at, like, a distance, and then you have to, like, all be on certain platforms to, like, open a door or something like that. Yeah. But it's but when you move, it's all mirrored, like, uh, one-to-one, no matter, mm-hmm. like, where the character is. So, like, if you move left, they're all going to move left. If you move right, they're all going to move right. So it's, like, getting people caught on, like, various obstacles and then, like, walking in and doing a bunch of stuff yeah it kind of hurt my head a lot but it was fun the other thing with this though is then because like he'll mimic what you do like mm-hmm. when you jump he jumps and when you your first power you get is like the cape you're wearing like turns you into a giant block so like you can't be moved or you'll like fall down it's convenient mm-hmm. um it's kirby's downbeat <laughs> basically um i wasn't gonna say it <laughs> um i didn't think about it that way but it's like it's basically just because the um the animation is so beautiful in this game. It doesn't remind you of other things. Nice. Um, so, but, like, and, like, this robot can do that, too. So you'll, like, use him to break things. Um, and, like, huh. he helps you get somewhere, and then, like, he stays with his other robots, and you keep going. And it's, like, I was, like, oh, my God, I've lost him. That's Aww. so sad. And I was, like, I need I, mm-hmm. I need this. I need I need more games where I make friends. Huh. <laughs> and, yeah, we're, I, feel like it's, I feel like it's so difficult to design companions in yeah. games that aren't mm-hmm. super fucking annoying. This is true. That's yeah. like, but that's like what I thought about. Like that, that, the, the that part of that Gris is what I wanted, sort of, for the game we were yeah. making because mm-hmm. it's purely like a physical mechanical thing. It's not nothing against. I mean, like a a game like a an an RPG or something where you're like selecting dialogue options, becoming yeah. someone's friend. Like mm-hmm. I love those, but just like in in this context. That it's there's there's no like verbal communication. It's just you platforming, and you still like made a friend. Yeah, mm. and that's really cool. Yeah, that's yeah. some good narrative design. That's what <laughs> I call that. Jimmy is uh, getting excited in his chair. Just <laughs> sliding that one in there. You didn't know it was that, but that's what it was. I <laughs> know uh, dialogue systems are also narrative design, but they're just a little bit more traditional. Yeah, if you will. Um, maybe I should have said that I was studying experimental narrative design. Ooh. Hell yeah. I guess also as an animator and as someone who studied film, like that sort of visual communication mm. is much yeah. appreciated. Yeah, that uh, good old show don't tell motto. <laughs> I hate it when people would ever when people would say that about like a scene I'd written or something like that and I'd be like, "I I know. <laughs> I'm trying over it's here. It's hard. <laughs> it's always true though. All I got are these words. <laughs> But you know, this is this is when you have the the do don't show in games, mm. and you you did it. Yeah, because you, you always have to do in games, for the most part, right? I mean, kinda. You always have to. Hmm. Hmm. Unless you're playing Virginia, I hate that game. 
Ooh, Steve's got opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I love walking simulators, but I could not stand Virginia. Yeah, Virginia was like... <laughs> walking simulators are one thing, but that is like a walk-in-a-straight-line game. It like could have just been a movie. It, yeah. Like, yeah. it also... Like, VR has never made me motion sick. That mm. game made me motion sick. Oh, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't played it in VR. Was no, it like, not like in, in, it wasn't in VR. Oh, I was, like, oh, playing really? it on a desktop. Oh, weird. I was, like, like yeah. FOV stuff, or... It's because it's, it's so. like you kind of have control of the camera, but mm. not exactly and not, not all, the, all time, the time, and it's uh, not clear when it leaves you, so suddenly you're like, Ugh. Yeah. It's not what I meant to do. Yeah. And it's, it's like... Mm. Yeah, it's strange. I mean, it comes from a lineage of games that are, like, try, like pioneering in a certain way. Like, uh, there's this game, 30 Flights of Loving... That, I don't know if you've, you've played that one. It's definitely like the predecessor to Virginia. Um, it's made by, I think, Brendan Chung, Brian Chung. Um, he made uh, a, a, a Quadrilateral Cowboy, I think, is his most recent <laughs> title, I think. It's like a, a great title. All, I feel like I have heard that. They're like, it's kind of immersive simi, I believe, um, but it's sort of crazy indie uh, hijinks, espionage kind of things. Beautiful. Um, but 30 Flights is just one of these games where, like, it cuts while you're playing, which is what Virginia does a lot of, and arguably too much of. Yeah. Where, like, most times in games, like, you're walking along, and then, like, camera gently fades out, and, oh, we're in yeah. a cutscene now. Okay, I know that was a very well-delineated thing that just happened right there. Whereas in 30 Flights, you'll be, like, running down a hallway, and you can see it's really long, and Virginia does this as well. And then all yep. of a sudden you're still running, but it just like jumped to like 30 feet down the hall. So it's like, yep. okay, you know he ran down the hall, but you don't have to fucking do the whole thing. Oh, kind I of see. idea. And so and it uses that in some more dramatic scenarios as well, where it's like you're on a motorcycle and like you turn to look at this character, and like as soon as you look at them, it cuts or something like that. Um, which is a really, really like evocative and like stylistic yeah. thing that happens. Um, Firewatch does this a lot. Of, have you played Firewatch? I love Firewatch. It does it, but much, much more tastefully and like yeah. much less of the time. Um, where, like, you'll be having a conversation with a character, and basically, after you get a, to past a certain point in the conversation, it's, it feels like at least it's on a timer of some kind, and it's just like, okay, well, they're going to do as much as they're going to do, but after, like, 30 seconds, we're just going to cut, next scene. And it's always, like, just a, yeah. a straight cut into, like, a title card, essentially. It's like, because I, I wrote a thing sexy. for one of my games classes on um, That Dragon Cancer. Mm, yeah. And, like, that does that sort of thing, but it's always, like, really easy about yeah. doing it. Like, it's... Yeah, yeah. I that game was a really strange experience. Um, it's, I mean, obviously, it's like it's a passion project that this guy made about his uh, infant son who died of cancer. Yeah, yeah. And so it's really, 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 really heavy. Of course, yeah. Um, it's like rendered in this like kind of soft, low poly style that's really lovely. Um, uh, and it just kind of yeah, it kind of like takes you from like little interactive mini game or mm -hmm. interactive engagement to like it's sort of vignette based so you're like mm. I don't know at one point you're like playing like a pseudo Mario Kart in the hospital that hallways. one is like one of the most dark and funny things at the same time yeah it was really <laughs> oh, weird wow. um, kind of makes me want to play that game because you're like you're like driving this go-kart with your son in it mm -hmm. through the hospital yeah and you're picking up um like it just looks like gummies and things and then at the end you find out that you were picking up like pills yeah like all oh. the pills he has to take oh dear <laughs> yeah and it's just like it, it really like it's it's very slow i felt like as well like things took their yeah. time to unfold mm -hmm. like animations took a long time which was a little frustrating because like we're so used to things being so immediate in games but yeah. it kind of does force you to like really think about 
what you're interacting with and what you're engaging with. So. Did you watch the documentary about it? I don't think I did. Because no. they made they made a documentary like while developing it, and they released it with the game. Oh, interesting. Um, I listened to like an interview with him. He might have been on like NPR yeah. or something. It was really interesting because I remember there was a part where he's at like PAX West, I think, mm-hmm. and um, like they they show just like the convention and like people playing all these shooters and stuff, and then they cut to like people going to play his game in right. like this environment yeah. of that the, is so uh, bizarre. gaming yeah. convention mm-hmm. and like people walking out of his booth just like crying. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Props. Yeah. And I'm like, this is that is really it. tough though. Yeah, conventions are such a weird space to do anything at. I the very limited amount of times where I've like shown a game in public in that sort of space. I really like it because mm-hmm. it's just like all this positive. I mean, as long as everything goes well, it's like all this positive feedback, and it's like yeah. it's the only time that as a developer you actually get to see people off the street like play it and engage with this thing that you made. Because most mm-hmm. of the time it's just like, all right, you know, people saw it because they wrote reviews or whatever or talked about it, but you don't actually get to see their experiences with yeah. it, or like their enjoyment of it, mm-hmm. and that to me is like the best part about making anything is like watching other that people get was- to enjoy it. Honestly, one of the best parts about making a VR game in the film program. Mm-hmm. Right. Because most of my classmates, I didn't play just a ton with my classmates, but most of my classmates, like, a lot of them didn't really play games. Yeah. Like, they may have played. Great. They, like, great thought games audience. were great. Yeah. But, like, I could, if I had them play it, especially if I had my professor play it, yeah. like, you know, he his only real experience with games was playing like Mist and like Lego Star Wars. <laughs> I see. <laughs> what a that is <laughs> like that was what he would refer to all the time. Wow. Um, <laughs> Are there any mini kits in this game? <laughs> um, when do you fight Lego like, Darth Vader? You played them. You <laughs> played them with his son, but it gave like the best feedback because it's somebody, especially since I was trying to make a game specifically for like a right. non-gaming audience. Yeah. It was always just like. Oh yeah, that's totally not intuitive. I need to fix that. Yeah, like, it's it's God. It's so it's you really feel like an idiot sometimes, right? Like you yeah. put a piece of like UX in front of someone, and they're just like, "Well, how do I do that?" And you're like, "You can't." It's like, "Well, why?" And it's like, "I just I didn't think about that." It's like, but it's this really important thing. It's like, yeah. I know. I, I could, thanks for pointing it out. <laughs> like I remember showing it to that's what Flan. we call a blind spot, friend. I remember showing it to Flan and like some other people, and mm-hmm. it being like just, like, super intuitive and being like, yeah, you had some really nice, like, teaching yeah. moments without, like, telling me how to do it. I figured it out. Uh-huh. And and I'm like, yeah, actually, that's some that specific thing you mentioned, like, everybody else trips up on. Mm-hmm. And, like, I need to change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, and there, and Fawn had, had to be like, oh, yeah, like, I guess I do play a lot of games. Like, yeah. it's not, it's easy for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and especially if you're the person who's making it, it's like you can't, yeah. you just, it's like you're flying blind, essentially. I think about accessibility in that broader sense, not necessarily, including, but not limited to, you know, like, people with disabilities, but just mm-hmm. accessibility in games in general, because as we talked about before, like, with controllers and how weird they are for most people, yeah. I think games as a medium kind of went in this direction really fast of its development with, like, technology and things. The audience for games grew up with this language of interaction and systems literacy that, yeah. like, most people just didn't keep up with. Yeah. And, like, games need to do better at bridging that gap. Because, yeah. you know... I feel if, like people are just too lazy to do it. It's like, well, games are for the people who know how to play them, and eventually everybody will know how to play them, so why bother? 
But, like, obviously that's not true. You know, the games have been around for a good long time, and we have friends who are our age and, like, have grown up in the same tech-saturated environments. There are other, like, gaps and common activities, I feel like, that people enjoy that are maybe not as deep because of how complicated some of the systems that drive gaming and technology are, but... Mm -hmm. Like, I can't play football. Like, that's, you know, like, my <laughs> yeah. friends invited me to go play a sport involving a ball that mm-hmm. isn't tennis. Like, yeah. I would not have the muscle memory or coordination probably necessary to keep up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it just comes down to using those certain aspects of your mm-hmm. mind and body. And I feel like it's really easy to forget how much of, like, an embodied experience it is to, like, use a controller. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I wish more games did more with, was the fact that, like, the players are physically engaging with this thing that, that you're making. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, it's like, the example that, the only example I can ever think about is, like, doing really repetitive stuff is a really good example. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, yeah, this is boring, like, but because I'm doing it so often, I, like, don't have to think about it, so now what else can I do with, like, my mind while... My fingers are doing this other yeah. thing, you know, which I guess mm-hmm. is I guess is kind of part of like any game anywhere. Like when you're playing, I don't know, Smash Brothers, you're not really thinking about pressing the buttons all the time, yeah. which is why sometimes it's hard to press the buttons. Um, <laughs> the buttons, but you know, more proficient players yeah. are just kind of it's all in their head about trying to predict what the other player is going to do, and not so much about like which button is the down smash again, yeah. you know, like. It's kind of yeah. beyond that point. Also, you can think about it more like playing an instrument. Yeah, yeah, it's like a tool. Yeah. yeah. After a while, it becomes like I can think about other things because I already know how to do what I want to do in the next phrase or yeah. what have you. I already know how to get to where I want to go in this game and do what I want to do. Now I just have to think about you know the broader scope of why I'm doing it or etc. A similar thing happens to me with museums because I currently hmm. work in a museum. At the Goog. I do at the Guggenheim. And I, I mean, I first got there to work on a VR exhibit they had that, like, I thought was really bad. And, <laughs> oh, oh, hot take. Hot take. Honestly, I, I totally feel the same way about so many, like, VR installations you see. It's, like, just really dramatic, and you're like, I just, I mean, this isn't really that good. Why is this even in VR? Um, see, like, I saw why it was in VR, but it, like, just... Like, it was somebody who didn't really use VR or come from that sort of background, which is great. It's good to see people, like, experimenting with something. But they broke, like, the one rule of VR, which is, like, don't make people sick. Oh. (laughs) And, like, did that Mm. to an extreme. And I guess as you being the person who had to, like, moderate this experience. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, uh, And they put it in a museum where, like, no one has ever done VR before that goes to the Guggenheim. Right. That's true. um, And just in museums in general, like, I remember going to the Met and seeing Heavenly Bodies. Hmm. Um, I don't know if either of you know about that. that. Nope. um, I do not. It's a show they did. It was from, like, the Met Gala from last year, and Hmm. it was all the pieces from that, all the dresses and whatnot. And it was supposed to be about, like, Catholicism and sort of idolatry in Catholicism mm-hmm. um, and all the, like, ridiculous pageantry of clothes that priests wore and things and, like, different designers playing on that. Yeah. Um, but the first room you walk into was all of these dresses on these ridiculously high pedestals, which is like, yeah, I get the metaphor. Right. But to me, the more potent metaphor was that I'm looking up at these and I can't really see them well mm-hmm. and the curator thought this was a good idea and it to me was a more potent metaphor about how out of touch 
like the art world is with huh. normal people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, this will be really cool, but you're like, I just, I just want to see it, man. I'm like, <laughs> I don't care about your goddamn metaphors. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, like, yeah, that's sort of. I mean, it's the same sort of literacy, like with games, like the yeah. the fine art world has its own. People go to museums and they're like, "Why is this art? Oh, my kid could make this," mm-hmm. and it's a, not an understanding of like the background to it. And it, yeah. it's kind of similar with games where you have controllers and it's like, "How the fuck do I do this? I don't get it." Yeah, yeah, but it's <laughs> yeah. the same. Like, well, we have been refining this for the past couple decades, so it's a once you figure it out, it's a pretty good way to do this. It's just there's a big like upfront like learning yeah. curve to it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Nick, have you been playing anything anything spicy this week? Nothing that spicy. I mean, I've, I've been playing some Terraria, which mm-hmm. is kind of like ye old faithful at this point. <laughs> but um, playing it with my friends from high school, which is nostalgic. and That's nice, um, yeah. Yeah, it's always it's one of those games where every time I come back to it, there's just so much content and also so much opportunity to sort of make your own content and yeah. make your own, sort of like Minecraft, like just explore make things sort how of often, set your own goals how often um, does it get updated i don't know if it really gets updates anymore i mean since the last time i played it which was a while ago mm-hmm. uh it has gotten small updates here and there uh, i don't know when the last big update was but uh i was i was part of the crowd that was playing it when it was getting large updates frequently in yeah. like high school and that's really cool yeah it's a fun experience and it it's always um it has a very it's a game with a very clear progression to it Mm. Um, while simultaneously sort of having that Minecraft feel of you can do what you want to do. Right. And I really like that because it gives me an opportunity to sort of, if I want to grind and get a cool item or something awesome, like I can do that. And if I just want to build a weird rainbow house, (laughs) you know, I can do that. Yeah. Enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I've been playing a video game called Ashen. Um, I've heard of this. Yeah, you have. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'll talk about it too long because I feel like we have, you know, probably rambled on for long enough here, and I'm still kind of in the midst of it, um, so I don't really know if my like thoughts on it are all that conclusive. Mm. But it's an indie souls like, uh, which with kind of like a reduced, uh, a reduced polygon look to it. I don't want to call it low poly because it's definitely not, but it, it's from that like style set, yeah. I guess. Um, like it's. It's low poly in that, like, okay, the characters' faces are all, like, blank for the most part mm. and, like, quote-unquote flat, but they're actually just, like, a little curved, like, a, almost like a visor kind of curve to it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the art style is interesting. A lot of, like, muted colors. It's sort of, I don't know, somber and melancholic, which I don't know why Souls-likes always have to be that way. I mean, I get mm. Dark Souls was really sad and depressing um, that's a good point that's like one of the biggest reasons I haven't gone back to replay that game is because it's just so fucking sad like everything about that world is so like deprived and like just run down it's rather and desolate I've mm. heard endless hot takes though about how it's like helped a lot of people with depression oh really yeah like how no joke like lots of people on the internet um, talking about how like Dark Souls is, like, the one thing they can do when they're depressed because, like, sure, it's really hard, but once you, it like, it will give you the satisfaction when you actually complete something. Like, right. You know, it's sort of, like... Interesting. There was someone in Game Studies we read about who, like, talked about how games being the perfect place. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just sort of, like, riffing off Plato's allegory of the cave and, like, mm-hmm. games being 
um, predictable and like you always be rewarded in the game and you won't right. be in the real world and that's sort of how like with Dark Souls like it's so hard but when you do it like you do get the dopamine rush and like yeah. you do you are satisfied yeah yeah. yeah. I mean <laughs> on a mechanical level I totally get that like it is really satisfying to overcome the hurdles in that game and to like master a certain weapon type and just feel like you can roll through places that were kicking your butt like two hours beforehand but the whole theming about it, I just could I just can't. <laughs> I just really can't handle it. I have a it. friend who's a stay-at-home dad, and, like, he just plays Dark Souls 3 with his kid's nap on his chest all the time. Wow. And, like, he's some weird he, kids. I'm pretty, sure he beat, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he beat the game, like, without leveling his character up ever or something. What? That's pretty cool. <laughs> also with a small child on his chest without, like, injuring it. <laughs> Yep. I would be I would be afraid to do that anywhere near my children if I was doing that. Oh, yeah. They just get a controller pegged at their head. Yep. He I'm plays just... it to relax. Huh. Huh. I mean, it's cathartic to huh. suffer constantly. You really do have to approach it with the right mindset, though. Yeah. Because if you approach it with the mindset of, like, I want to beat everything and be the yeah. best, then it's probably you're probably going to have a bad I time. I do really. I, I started playing it, and I need to play those games more because... Playing games to beat them is not something I actually do a lot. Yeah. But I want to be able to appreciate that perspective. More. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I am totally guilty of that as well. Like I don't remember the last game I actually finished. Really. I do like completing games, but I don't like boss battles are not really my thing. Mm -hmm. I don't. Yeah, Dark Souls is like boss battles, the video game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, kind of kind of like that stuff. I don't know. It has uh, it does give me that feeling of like completion or like yeah, I've accomplish something you know yeah well i don't know. i feel like the nice thing about dark souls bosses is that a lot of them just kind of feel like specially tricky enemies because so many yeah. of the enemies in that game are already really really hard and mm. like unique in their like move sets and abilities and sort of styles that like okay you encounter a boss so it's like another one of those but like a little bit bigger a little bit scarier and a little bit more difficult really i think that's part of why i'm so addictive to overwatch though mm relative to those other games because like with a matchmaking system how good i get and like that sort of progression is up to me yeah whereas in a in a like single player game like that the difficulty is there like yeah, it's, it's even if true. i go on easy like it's still a set thing and yeah. i have to go make a certain bar yeah that's true that's the thing about like rpgs in general it's like okay well yeah i'll, I'll get more powerful in this video game because i leveled up but it's also not gonna go away if i stop playing this game like i'll be able to come back and be just as leveled up as I was before. Yeah. That said, Souls likes tend to reward consistent play because they're really hard. And like, I went to go play Ashen yesterday for the first time in like a couple weeks, maybe, mm -hmm. and I just got my ass handed to me like five times in a row in yeah. a part that I knew I hadn't been struggling that much with before. But I was like, oh yeah, I have to like slow my roll down, especially when you come off of playing a game like I don't know Smash Brothers or something like this, where yeah. you're like just on the attack like the whole time and always pressing buttons yeah. and always doing right. stuff. And now playing this game where you have to like walk forward, walk back, wait for them to swing, dodge around, swing once, dodge. Like, it's it's so much more intentional and, like, it's yeah. a lot slower. Yeah. It's a lot slower. Uh, and the stakes is high. Like, it's, you know, one of these things, like, you, you don't want to get hit. Because, like, you have to make it to the next shrine thing on just these five drinks of your crimson gourd that refills your health. So, like, mm. you gotta preserve yeah. your life as much as possible. Um, but it's, it's, it's cool. It's interesting. Um... But I do want to play a little bit more of it before talking about it too much. I mean, it's it's nice. There's a hub world, I will say, which mm. is nice. Having a nexus of some kind. It's just one of those things that I feel is, is sort of pleasant in games, like to be able to return to a certain space and like watch it evolve over time, which mm. is another thing this game does, where like you meet people along your travels and then they show up back in your town and they're like, 
making a little house for themselves and yeah. you can buy stuff from them and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's nice to watch the progression happen in a tangible sense. That is pretty cool. I yeah. like that. I will say that the quests are pretty boring as far as like structure goes. Yeah. Like the very first quest was a fetch quest. Like the very first story quest was like, go here and get that thing and come back with it. And I was just kind of, well, I don't know, a little disappointed. <laughs> like, there is voice acting, which is nice for this kind of, like, indie game. There isn't often voice acting in these contexts. Um, and the, the sort of overall narrative of it is, honestly, you know, it's, it's, it's there, it's thought out, but it's not all that interesting, really. And, like, the, mm. I feel like there is a lot of lore going on, but I don't really feel like I have any stake in it, necessarily. Mm. Like, I know I'm supposed to go here and, like, kill this dude to get an axe i guess or because this other person wants me to kill them but i don't really know what they did or she said they did this thing but i don't feel bad about it because i didn't know that guy that they killed anyway maybe he was a douche anyway so it's like <laughs> i it just it's difficult yeah. to feel like involved with the stakes of the narrative which is i feel like the reason i like story in games is because it like lends a bit more gravity to the things i'm doing that's but, something i've experimented a lot with in dungeons and dragons mm -hmm. as someone who was dm'd a lot um and one thing, at least in that sort of tabletop RPG setting, I don't know how you could, like, make this analog into digital games necessarily, but um, one thing I found super effective is to give the player something mm -hmm. that they then value themselves. For mm -hmm. instance, in one campaign, my players, like, found this, um, like, city that was completely ruined. It was, like, decimated from a war or whatever, and they wanted, they, they based on their individual character's motives, like, wanted to rebuild it and help revitalize it, and then I would just, like, constantly put that city under threat, so they would have to, like, go back and protect it. Right. And it was, like, now a thing that... They, like, actually like, cared about. They yeah. cared about, and yeah. I could make them do what I wanted, because I could threaten the thing they had. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty big power. But, I, yeah, I mean, it's it reminds me of, like, what you're talking about with like, your little robot friends. Like, you liked him because he could do stuff. Like, he yeah. was useful to you. He could, like, ben you benefited one another. Yeah. And I feel like most games just tell you you're supposed to care about something or someone, but, like, do nothing to make you actually feel anything for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. It feels like a good episode to me. Yeah. Um, again, thanks, Steve, for, for coming out. Uh, do you want to plug stuff? Um, I don't know what to plug. I guess, I guess, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm Steve KG on Twitter, and I, I basically just retweet people's things, but one day I'll have creations to share. Hey. <laughs> hey. Give them a follow for that Goobly one day. Goo is me on everything. Hmm. It is. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Well, um, once again, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, you can subscribe to us now, which I just think is really neat. I don't really care if you do. I mean, I, of course I care if you do, but I just think it's kind of cool that you can do it. So, I don't know, do it for the giggles, I guess. Uh, thanks. Thank you. We deserve it. The revolution will not be televised.